One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Know thyself, remembering who we are. In this episode, Eckhart talks with a live audience. He quotes ancient Greek philosopher Pythagoras, who said, Know thyself. Eckhart says, unfortunately, our whole educational system is geared toward only one kind of knowledge, the intellectual. But there is another aspect based on wisdom and intuition. It's that kind of inner knowing, he says, we must embrace not as a replacement, but as a much-needed addition. Now, just a little reminder, in the usual state of consciousness, you're always conscious of something. And when you're present, you're conscious, You except in deep meditation, you're conscious of something, but you're also conscious of yourself as consciousness. The early... 20th century spiritual teacher Gurdjieff called that self-remembrance. It may not be the best term to describe it, but that's what he came up with. And it could be misunderstood as if you had to remember yourself as the historical person, but that's not what it means. There's no memory involved, although we could say you remember to be aware of yourself. But what is yourself? If you're not the historical person in essence, you are the consciousness, the space for it all. And as you sit here and listen and look, you're of course conscious of your sense perceptions, but the possibility is there of being conscious also at the same time of an underlying presence or stillness. And that is the essence of you, which has nothing to do with your history. It is being conscious of consciousness. That's the subject, the eternal subject. The moment you make yourself into an object, then you begin to remember your historical person. And then you begin to have a relationship with yourself. But in presence, you are yourself. Big difference between having a relationship with yourself, usually problematic. So you not only have a problematic relationship with your partner and colleagues and family members and in-laws, that's not enough in the unawakened state. You also have a problematic relationship with yourself. My God. There's a movie about a man who gets stranded on a desert island. There's a plane crash. He's, he survives it. Then he finds himself on a beach. And he's there for 
don't know how long, a year, two years, three years, survives on fishes he can catch and coconuts. The plane that crashed was a FedEx plane, so it had all kinds of parcels that also got washed ashore, and he opens them, and in one parcel he finds a beach ball that somebody must have sent to somebody. And because he has no companionship, he paints the face, eyes, nose, and mouth on the beach ball and begins talking to the beach ball. And after a while, he begins to have arguments with it. <laughs> and is deeply offended and goes all the, all the emotions that the ego experiences in relationships he's having with the beach ball. Tom Hanks, I think, is the actor in the movie. So the patterns need to operate still. Well, if you can't find a person, then you have a beach ball. And of course, yourself too. And that really is the meaning of knowing yourself the deeper and the deeper sense, the ancient dictum from ancient Greece, going back two and a half thousand years, know thyself. But there are two kinds of knowing. Our civilization basically only knows of one kind of knowing. Everything, the whole educational system, everything is geared towards increasing and focusing on exclusively that kind of knowing, which is knowing through conceptual thought. And so the majority of humans on the planet don't realize the possibility of another kind of knowing, not to replace conceptual knowledge and not even to be there in addition to conceptual knowledge, but to be there as something that underlies and is much vaster than conceptual knowledge, where you can go when you choose not to be involved in conceptual knowledge, you go to that vaster place that transcends conceptual knowledge and is deeper. It's a space, a deep space of knowing. And so the deeper meaning of the ancient dictum of going probably back to the first one of the first philosophers in ancient Greece, Pythagoras, know thyself, can be understood on two levels. One level is to know things about yourself. That can be helpful too, because that means you know how you function. You begin to learn about things about yourself that perhaps you didn't know because they were automatic. Sometimes in therapy, it can be helpful to get to know yourself on a conceptual level about the person that you are, hidden motivations, things that you do, but you don't know why you do, things you compulsively do, and you might understand certain things about you on a conceptual level. But the deeper meaning is not to know yourself through concepts, but to know yourself without any concepts, directly. One could call it unitive knowing, rather than knowledge, knowing that creates separation. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. 
more popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi, it's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Oh. There's even a distinction in some languages of different kinds of knowing, not in English or German, but it's there in Spanish and in, don't know much French, but I think it's there also in French. That they have two words for to know. For example, if you say, I know, in Spanish, you have a choice, conozco or sé. So the, the verb is conocer, is to one type of knowing, and saber is another type of knowing. And it's the same in French, I believe, connaître and savoir, something like that. For example, I know you, you would use conocer, te conozco, I know you. But if you said, I know who you are, you would use the other one, because that's a concept. Sé quién eres, I know who you are. Knowing who you are is a concept. But if you say, I know you, there's something deeper there. There's sometimes there's a wisdom, certain wisdom embedded in language. But that does not mean, unfortunately, that all native Spanish or French speakers are familiar with the deeper type of knowing. So you can know a very old uh, illustration or example to uh, explain it. I believe it comes from India. They could You could use anything, but they use honey. <laughs> so you can know honey by examining the structure of honey and where it comes from and how it's produced by the bees and the molecular structure and the chemical composition. And you can write several PhDs about honey, and you can know everything there is to know. Well, perhaps that's even impossible because there's always more to know, but you can know a lot about honey. So there you are, a doctor of honey, <laughs> after you have successfully defended your thesis. And... Uh, one day somebody asked, have you actually ever tasted honey? No. That's not part of my PhD. <laughs> if you taste honey, you would know nothing about it necessarily. But there's a different knowing there that is more immediate, direct, nothing to do with concepts. But you know honey on a level that is deeper in a way than this person who only knows honey through concepts. And now we can apply that first to yourself and also, of course, we can apply it to other people. How do you know somebody else? But you have to start with yourself. So in addition 
to knowing yourself as this historical person, which really is knowing about yourself. You know all kinds of things about yourself. And you can talk about it for a long time. You can write your autobiography and perhaps some people will be interested in it or not. Everybody has their own autobiography in their head and it consists of things that you can talk about. So an autobiography consists of stories. This is what happened to me or this is what I did. Let me tell you the story. And this is what I experienced. That's what I suffered. But do I know myself at a deeper level? Am I able to let go, to relinquish when I choose to, to relinquish all conceptual knowledge about myself, all narratives and stories, and not live through the narratives and stories, although I'm able to remember them when I need to, but am I able to know a deeper essence that enables the narratives to exist, to be? You need to be conscious to have a narrative, a story. You need to be conscious to perceive things with your senses. You need to be conscious to have an emotion. All these arise. They are objects that arise in Let's temporarily call it your consciousness, but it's not yours. They are all objects that arise in consciousness. So your life consists on the, except on the deepest level, your life, what I call your life situation, is the term I choose to use, consists of the arising of objects in the space of consciousness or the light of consciousness. Perception, it's an object that arises in consciousness. There it is, and then it disappears, and then another perception replaces it. A thought arises, a stream of thoughts arise. They can take over your consciousness almost completely. They, they gobble up, they suck up, Thoughts can be so overpowering if you're in the absence of awareness. A stream of thoughts can take your whole consciousness and manufacture thoughts out of it. And so you're completely unaware of yourself as consciousness. You're, complete, you're just completely identified with a thought. It takes up all your consciousness and makes it into thought and emotions. Continuously manufacturing more thoughts. Cook, I need more. And you can see it when people talk to each other sometimes, how they are taken over by, taken over by a stream of thought and confuse it with who they are. And then they have to defend that stream of thought, whatever that stream of thought is saying, whatever position, it's whatever perspective it has, people become mortal enemies because your stream of thought does not agree with my stream of thought. And groups do it because there are collectives that are dominated by certain commonly held, jointly held beliefs. Uh, there are some collectives that are held together by belief systems, ideologies, and everybody takes it on board 
And then the other collect you have conflicting ideologies and they become your mortal enemy. And really all this happens because you don't know who you are. You only know yourself as an object in consciousness. So the deepest meaning of knowing yourself is knowing yourself beyond concepts, not through concepts. Not knowing yourself as an object in consciousness, but as the eternal subject, which is consciousness itself. And so the mind subsides and a sense of still alert presence remains. I am, and now you don't need to add anything to it. You just know that you are the beingness of you. And if that can be sustained in the background, so to speak, then you could have a discussion with somebody and you can put forward your point of view, which are thoughts, without making that person into an enemy because he or she holds opposite or conflicting points of view. And you can have a conversation, and while you're having a conversation, you remain spacious inside. But you can still clearly state your point of view without having a self-identification with your point of view. This is how I see it. But you don't derive your sense of identity from that mental position. You don't have to give up all, all mental positions. You just recognize them as thoughts. This is how I see reality. This is how I see that. But there's always something else in the background, something deeper. And then it is more likely that the awareness of the, that which is deeper, which is awareness itself, may enable you to think in a different way so that you, you not just take on board what the collective that you happen to be born into tends to think. You don't adopt you're born into whatever certain political system or whatever it may be, you don't necessarily adopt all their beliefs and make it part of your sense of identity. But you, you're able to, and even in our civilization, we perhaps our Western civilization is not dominated by any one particular ideology, as for example, communist Russia was or China was. It still is to some extent, it's getting mixed up with other things. But even here, if you you may not realize that how many of the thoughts that you think are your thoughts, you have absorbed through a screen, either the TV screen or the iPad screen or the Samsung screen, or some people still read newspapers, and you have absorbed certain viewpoints that most of the media tend to agree on with certain relation to your country or a group of countries in relation to other countries, certain, and you just absorb that and that becomes your viewpoint. And you may not realize that perhaps it's a quite a distorted way of looking. There may be other ways of looking, but people think these are my thoughts. They're not your thoughts, and it's not just with reference to the media, but with everything. These are thoughts that you absorb from the, from the collective. But if you are aware, if this, uh, this uh, 
awareness is in the background, it is more likely that you are able to think creatively, that you can look through certain forms of almost hypnosis, that if you live in a collective, you are hypnotized into that, you become part of that particular way of looking at the world. And you can see things more clearly and have creative thoughts. You can actually think better when you're able to step out of thinking. And then when you think, don't lose yourself completely in the thinking. Then you can, you can see more clearly. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi, it's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And another strange thing that happens when you can sense the essence of who you are, it's not just, although the Buddha called it, well, as it's commonly translated, emptiness is not, I don't think that's a good translation of certain terms he used, like sunyata. Spaciousness, I would prefer. Some call it nothingness. But there's more to it than that. When you can sense the essence of yourself as consciousness, there's a, there's a power in there. There's a vast power in there, which has nothing to do with egoic power, power over somebody, is really the only thing that can free you of fear. Because fear means, oh, the little me, and you feel threatened, and fearful of what's going to happen to me and all these other me's around me, the others. But to be free of fear, if you can sense that deep within you there is a silent power. And perhaps that is the, the deeper and original meaning of the term faith. Faith is to sense that power, it's not an intellectual thing. Belief, I would say, is an intellectual thing because the term belief as a noun means you, you believe in the veracity of certain things that are being told. It could be a story. You believe in this particular narrative. That's a belief. Faith is something, the way I interpret the word or use the word, is something deeper that is not connected with concepts. Faith is a deep trust. That's perhaps a better, a better translation, to a better pointer. A deep 
trust in life, which you cannot arrive at through telling yourself certain things. I really should be trusting because the universe is going to look after you. I just need to believe you're still stuck in your head and you're saying, I just need to believe that the universe is going to look after me. The universe is going to look after. Okay, okay well, as maybe that is a that is a bridge, or maybe that is a signpost that can take you to the actual realization of what you're saying. But it's also possible that it remains a signpost, and you never get to where the signpost points to. I'm trying to have this trust in the universe, but I still wake up in the middle of the night and in a state of panic. I don't know why. I keep telling myself that, that I need to trust the universe. Now even it's on, on my bathroom mirror and a piece of paper written, stuck. God loves you. Is it a, a thought that you believe in that does not free you from fear? Or if it's a signpost and then it takes you to a deeper place where you realize your connectedness with the source, ultimately, the, your connectedness with the source of all life, that there's not a separation, that you're not an autonomous entity thrown out of the universe or fallen from the sky. So the, to sense your connectedness with the source is the realization that God loves you, but you don't need the words anymore. You, there's just a trust and there's no duality anymore because you're an extension of the one, an emanation of the one. So faith really is trust, but the trust is not something you can think yourself into. Ultimately, you need to let go of all these concepts, although when you later talk about it, you may take them up again. But for the experience of it, you let go of concepts and you can sense in the space between two thoughts, in the space of awareness, you can sense the stillness, the presence, and you can sense it as a silent power. Silent. That's the Tao. It's in Chinese. A silent power. And that silent power is inseparable from who you are. It's you and much infinitely vaster than you, both at the same time. It's almost as if a ray of sunlight that arrives here suddenly realizes its source. It, this ray of sunlight suddenly realizes its own source, where it comes from. And it also realizes that it can never be totally separate from its source. Because there's the, the ray of sunlight somehow is still connected to the sun, which, which in this analogy, that's the source. So the ray of sunlight then could say, my fear has disappeared because I realize that I'm connected to something much vaster, and this vastness is sustaining me. It could say that. It could also say, and some have, some rays have done that, 
I am the sun. <laughs> Ecstatic. Translated in this analogy, there have been mystics in various traditions who said, I am God. It's not advisable to say that. <laughs> People don't like it. <laughs> so that power is something that you can then have in the sense in the background. It's not just a passive thing always in the background. It emanates intelligence, so to speak. It uses, it can use your mind and it can inspire it out. This is the dimension of creativity, which is this prior to form, but it's where form arises out of the formless. So all the great creations that humanity has been able to achieve over the centuries and millennia, Anything truly creative comes because the human being who created that had some connection with the silent power within. Perhaps only in the act of creation, perhaps not in their private life, but in the act of creation there was suddenly that connectedness. And many, many great composers and artists and even some of the great scientists who had breakthroughs say that it came to them almost fully formed as a revelation. It already arrived as if it had been already formed at a deeper level and then suddenly they just received it. And some report that they are overpowered almost by the, the sudden influx of an amazing thing that then becomes perhaps a work of art or an amazing insight or piece of music that comes from that place. And those things that come from that deeper place are the things that remain because although most humans are not sufficiently connected to be able to, to create any of these things, there are quite a few who have at least have some connections so they are able to recognize the greatness in something when they see it. And so that the humans value, for example, the, the great classics of literature. There are some books that have survived for 2,000 and more years. It's miraculous because a book is a very fragile thing. And for cent many centuries, it can only survive if there were always people who valued it enough to copy it again. And then a few more copies and then they got damaged and burnt and then one copy survived and then some other people saw how valuable it is. They could sense there was something, something transformative in it and so they copied it again. So books such as the Tao Te Ching or the Bhagavad Gita, or the med one of my favorite books, the Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, 2,000 years old. Somehow they survived even the dark ages when almost nobody could read and write except a few monks in the monasteries, and they kept it alive. But the main purpose is not to produce, necessarily produce, 
some great thing or have some great insight that may come as an addition. The main purpose is to bring this state of consciousness into your life. And then whatever happens through it, happens. And so when you know yourself in the deepest sense, then even more important than any creation, for creation, by the way, you need some kind of vehicle because you can't touch the source of creativity within you that transcends, far transcends the person. But if you want to create something, that power needs to then manifest through you into this world and there needs, it needs some kind of vehicle, whether it is your mind, so it would be the case when you, you speak or you write, it would use your mind as a vehicle, that the vehicle needs a certain amount of preparation. It needs to be able to give expression to this power instead of being so overpowered that you go crazy. The, the God-intoxicated, sometimes considered holy men, but, but they look a bit crazy. So the, the mind is unprepared for that. It gets overpowered by that. In order for the, crea the creative force, the creative power to operate through you, it needs some kind of vehicle. So it could be if you are a musician, then that is the vehicle. And it's not enough to take up an instrument and say, okay, I'm now going to learn the guitar. And after three weeks, I'm st I still haven't composed the greatest guitar work ever. Why isn't it coming through me? It sometimes takes a long time to uh, develop a, a, the vehicle until it becomes capable of transmitting something that comes from a deeper place. There was a, a book published a few years ago, I don't remember the title, where the, the writer examined people who created great things, and he came to the conclusion through his analysis that in most cases, it involved 10,000 hours of practice before the creative element came in. But even then, there's no guarantee, of course, that it will. <laughs> and so they, he even examines phenomena like the Beatles. The Beatles produced relatively simple mu music if you compare it to the classical music, but there is enormous spiritual power in these simple, very simple tunes. This is why they're still playing them, and they will still be playing them in 100 years and 200 years from now. There's something there that touches you, and so it came from a deep place. But before they created that, they were playing hundreds and thousands of hours in little nightclubs in Liverpool and in Hamburg. And so he examined that, and then he compared it to others also scientists and so on, who pursued a particular avenue of research. And then at some point, after focusing mentally on it for thousands thousands of hours, suddenly something came that was not produced by the conceptual mind, an insight that almost came ready-made. And there it was. Now, that kind of thing, although I, I am connected with that, for me, it comes through 
speaking and writing, the, the, that transcendent dimension uses my mind. If I wanted to create some scientific breakthrough, it's not going to happen. I can't say, okay, now I'm going to be a scientist and I will find the ultimate answer to whatever Einstein was looking for after he found the theory of relativity. He was looking for something else, which is called something like the unified field theory or something like that. I don't know exactly what that means, and I can assure you that I'm not going to find it. <laughs> and you are not either, unless you are a scientist. You've been focusing on that for a long time. Nor am I going to excel in creating a great work of music or dance. I don't think so. And yet, if you look at a great dancer, there's not just the technique, but the practice and the technique, of course, is important. Again, we got this, you meet 10,000, I don't know if he's right, but it's just thousands of hours. Of, and then, if you're a great dancer, something else comes in and takes over. And then you are being danced. And then you become a great, and everybody goes, wow. That may also happen in certain sports where deep people are able to, they do amazing things. There are even some types of sport that didn't exist 20 or 30 years ago. I don't know what they're called, but they're amazing where people go up in the air on little boards or, and they go around. How can, how, can a, how can a human being do that? So they practice and practice and then something else takes over. And then there, you have certain musicians that when they perform, some power comes through, of course, with the help of technical stuff, flashing lights and all kinds of technical stuff. And with some, it's mostly technical stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, but with a few, there is definitely something there and people respond to that. And that's not going to happen with me, so you can be sure that I'm not going to be a, a rock star in this lifetime, or the next. <laughs> I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. 
The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.